When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 131 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast, presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, and I'm joined by Jill. Hey Jill. Hi. What's up? Not much. Hey, how you doing? In need of coffee. Yeah, we're both in need of coffee. We, uh... We're at ALA together, which we talked about prior, but not now we're back, and we have the tired. Very, very. We have sleepy. the tired. Yeah. Um, normally, this particular episode which comes out, I think, on the let's see, on 29. June twenty ninth. Yeah, <laughs> tomorrow. Day tomorrow. Yeah, I forgot which day we're recording. Today's the twenty eighth. Um, <laughs> normally, the episode before a new month, we've been doing our big books of the month. Um, we're going to do that next week for you guys because we were running around like chickens with our heads cut off at ALA. So instead we're going to kind of improvise and talk about our ALA experience, our ALA experiences. That's hard to say. Um, and some other fun stuff that happened there. So before we get into that though, I want to remind everyone this episode is presented by our brand new app Libby. If you haven't had a chance to download it yet, I highly recommend you do. We just got done talking about it for four days with librarians, and they all loved it. Um, even if you have the Overdrive app, go ahead and download Libby. Check it out. Once you sign in with your library card in Libby, it will pull all your stuff over from the Overdrive app. So it will be, you won't have to go in and redownload everything. Um, but try it out. Let us know what you think. I really love it. And so did thousands of librarians. I love Libby. You. It's really great. It's And when we were at ALA... We had a, a like a giant life-size iPhone called the Padzilla uh, that we got to show everyone Libby on, which makes it so much easier to demo really anything because it's ginormous. So yep. um, that was really fun. So anyway, let's let's talk all the fun things we did. So first off, um, you got to have more adventures in Chicago. I did. Than I did. I did. So you want to go through some of the stuff you did? Sure. Um, I... Did not have to work the booth like Adam and some of our other coworkers, so I had some more time to explore the city of Chicago. And I hadn't been in probably twenty years. I think I was in high school mm-hmm. um, when I went last went. So I went to the Art Institute. Um, we were very centrally located with our hotel, so there's a lot we could walk to. Yes. So I went to the Art Institute um, Friday. Saw some art, culture, <laughs> all that fun stuff. Um, first Bueller paintings there, mm-hmm. fun stuff. And then, um, uh, Monday morning, my dates are all confused. I know. Um, Monday morning I went to the field museum for a little bit. I'm a horrible, <laughs> I'm a horrible museum goer. I, okay. Just work with me on this one. So when I go shopping for anything, I am very much a get in, get out kind of shopper. I do not browse. I do not wander. <laughs> I know what I want. I buy it and I leave. Mm-hmm. I go to museums the same way. Like I, 
I mean, these are like very large museums. I spent maybe an hour and a half at each just because like I knew what I wanted to see mm-hmm. and I ignored the rest That's of the museums. Okay. I'm, I apologize. I mean, like you could spend hours mm-hmm. in both of those museums. I don't have the kind of time <laughs> or inclination. So like, I, I mean, I'm not even kidding you. Like my favorite painting is, is Paris a rainy day and it's, it's in the art Institute and, um, it's in the impressionist wing. I do not like the impressionists, but that's the wing it was in because he was a <laughs> contemporary. And so I'm, I'm literally speed walking through the impressionist wing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm just like looking from side to side, looking for this painting so it's like looking, looking, oh, there's a Monet's, looking, looking, oh, there's the Ferris Bueller painting, looking, looking, and there was, and like way in the back, of course, of the Impressionist way. And then I like sit for five minutes, and I'm like, all right, go see something else. The, <laughs> so here, I have two thoughts. Terrible. On, I have two thoughts on this. One, you say you're a horrible museum goer, but first off, by going to the museum at all, you're supporting the arts. I mean, no, I am, and I mean, I pay full price. Like, right. I, I'm happy to do that. I will some like I went when I went to the Field Museum. There were some special exhibits I wanted to see, so I paid additional to see those. Ex- hey, this is a really sweet tattoo exhibit. You would have loved it. What? Yes. How are you just talking about? Sorry, this now? I forgot. The Field Museum had this fantastic tattoo exhibit about the history of tattoos. There was a section about tattoos in prison. Um, they have a working tattoo facility shut up in the museum yeah they do apparently live tattoos there's like local chicago tattoo artists who will come and there's a schedule and they have a working tattoo studio that's awesome within the museum and i guess there's some schedule you can find online or or at the front desk so i mean yeah i will go and see what i want to see but i i do not i do not wander museums and see every exhibit i don't do that but yeah my point is it just you're so sweet to be like, I'm a bad museum goer. You're going to the museum, you're supporting it. So, A, I don't, I think that they are totally fine with that. And especially, like, like you said, they're so big. If you go in with a plan, that's, you want to see what you want to see. I'll give you a perfect example. My wife and I, when we were in New York City, went to the, uh, natural, natural history, American Museum of Natural History. I'm still never going to mm-hmm. get this right. We wanted to see the mummy exhibit. So we sure. paid extra to do that. And we wanted to see the dinosaurs. Those are the two things we saw. And then if you've ever been to that particular museum, anyone out there, you know, it's gigantic. And they have historical artifacts from basically like every culture, from every country, like ever. And uh, we were doing the same thing. We were speed walking to find it. And being in those, some sometimes you talked about this, between you and I were chatting about this. Being in museums, it's almost like being in a casino. Like, it's hard to find the exit. They don't want oh you to leave. Oh, my gosh. It is so hard to find the exit. I was lost in the contemporary section of the Art Institute for about 10 minutes because I could not figure out where I was going. And I will say, like, I when I say I don't wander, I, I don't wander, but I will look at the map they provide you yeah. with. And there are occasionally something will catch my eye that I had not planned on looking at. And so the Field Museum had this Plants of the World exhibit, which... It was so interesting. There was nobody in there, and it was kind of dark because they had like very low lights. I think because of the um, the models that they were using, and it felt kind of not creepy, but you're like, this feels like this mini underground. I mean, it's it, I mean it's not underground, but uh-huh. I can't describe it. It was just this very bizarre feeling yeah. that I really kind of like because it's all dark wood, and you're like, this feels like a very old section of the museum, and there's like nobody here. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
felt like some suspense movie yeah. in a library. And then um, the Chicago, uh, the Art Institute had this room, had an exhibit of miniature rooms, which was amazing <laughs> i remember getting the map and looking at all the exhibits and i thought is that what i think it uh-huh. is and it was the last thing i saw and i might it might have been my favorite part aside from seeing you know the painting but um yeah these really very detailed miniature rooms just this whole exhibit you show you were showing me pictures of this oh my gosh was i was cool. just like grinning the whole time because they were so cool and so much detail so mm-hmm. i do I, I don't just go in to see what I want to see. I yeah. keep a mind open, but I definitely pass on exhibits I have no interest in. I think you're being too apologetic now. Maybe. I think the library, okay. I, I think the museum appreciates right. your patronage. Um, so what we were there for was the American Library Association. Yeah, after I go on the Now that you and I have talked about rant. museums for 10 minutes. <laughs> um, that's okay. It's art. It's called culture. Culture. Uh, so we were there for the American Library Association. And in addition to... Being, I like you said, you didn't have to work the booth. I worked the booth for four days and it was a blast. It's exhausting, but it's fun. Uh, but what we were there to do is our secondary job, which is to interview authors. So now that we've done all those, I think we can oh definitely gosh. talk about them. Uh, so, okay. Uh, not to say certain authors are bigger than other authors and more important, but I think we should start with these yes. two. So we mentioned previously, I think. Jill and I interviewed Colson Whitehead and Matthew Desmond. Colson Whitehead wrote The Underground Railroad. Matthew Desmond wrote Evicted. They are the fiction and nonfiction Pulitzer Prize winners for this current year, which is amazing. Um, thanks to our friends at Penguin Random House. And we can genuinely say our friends because they are our friends now. Like all the people there feel like we're like part of the PRH I know. team and vice versa here at Overdrive. I feel like they're part of our team. Um, they did this amazing thing for us where they Penguin Random House was staying at the Chicago Athletic Association, which if you ever are in Chicago and you get a chance, go check out this building. Because speaking of old buildings, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And they set up a boardroom for us to speak to both of these authors separately for our interviews so it would be quiet. And the boardroom was like a boardroom you would see, um, like the boardroom in... Christmas Vacation yes, and National Lampoon's like Christmas yes. Vacation. It's gigantic. And so we're sitting in there and there was a fan on the side that you just walked in. And so you were like, well, let's go on the other side so the fan doesn't get picked up in the recording. Otherwise, it'll be a perfect recording. And it does, guys, it sounds great. I can't wait for you to hear it. But we're sitting at the very end and Matthew Desmond, this wonderful, incredibly intelligent, warm, uh. just amazing human, walks in and just stares at us and he's like, help. Hello? I know. He just has this very confused look on his face. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, Colson kind of did the same thing. It's like, this is a big room for us. But we, they were both so incredible, um, so gracious with their time and charming and funny. And I, I can't wait for you guys to hear those those episodes. They'll be up in the in the near future. Um, just a surreal experience. Yeah. And... Um, so there are a couple other people that we interviewed as well. Those two, both incredible, but a couple other people. Um, Fiona Davis. Who I love. Yeah. She... I love her books. I've talked about them a couple times. Yeah, you talked about them, like, mm-hmm. not even having us interview her. You right. talked about them. 
Um, but she writes these books about these famous buildings in New York City and um, creates timelines for both like the past and the present in these amazing places. And I can't wait for you to hear hers as well. But just as a side note, as like a humble brag, we're like buddies with her now. <laughs> She emailed Jill and I being like, next time you come to New York City, let's get some wine and talk uh, Broadway. And that was just a nice sort of like, what is our life moment? Yeah. Um, I interviewed a YA author named Carrie Maniscalco. For myself, you were running around doing some stuff at the time. But uh, Carrie, and by the way, guys, you might hear my stomach growling in this recording. I can hear it out loud. So I don't know if it'll pick up on the microphone. Anyway, um, Carrie wrote her first book was called Stalking Jack the Ripper. It was her debut novel. And it debuted at number one on the New York Times bestsellers list. So uh, I was really interested to meet her. She's this little, tiny, like five foot tall, pixie, elvish, wonderful little human. And she was uh, like adorable and hilarious and intelligent. And uh, interviewing her was a blast. But the thing that I loved most about her, and I talk about this with YA authors all the time, she... Uh, I talk, I've spoke about Tomi Adeyemi, who is a person who... Her podcast won't come out until, like, January, but she's working on these books that everyone is talking about. Um, uh, so Carrie, a New York Times number one best-selling author, waited in line to get a sampler signed by Tomi Adeyemi, and then they were, like, tweeting back and so forth with each other. So, like, I hopped in that conversation. But I just, the, the young adult author community, really the author community as a whole, just seeing them all talk about each other on Twitter all the time. We've mentioned this ad nauseum, but seeing one wait in line for the other's book that isn't even out yet to get yep. it signed. Just adorable. Adorable. Yeah. And then um, Lindsay Miller. I am so excited for her book. Yeah. Like interviewing her, she was just so cute. She was very charming as well. Yes. And I'm I'm super excited for her book. Well, and we, so Lindsay Miller had, her book is called Mask of Shadows, I believe. I should look that up to confirm the name. But um, she is a source books author, source books we love. And much like how when Marie first interviewed, when we first interviewed Marie the first time, her book hasn't even come out yet. And so she, you can tell she's not used to doing interviews or anything just yet. So when she sat with us, she was like, she looked like she was really nervous. Mm-hmm. And then we asked her to describe her book. And it was this flawless, eloquent answer to what her book is about yep. and who her characters are in there. And we were both just like, man, for someone who's never done this before, you nailed it. I, I think she's going to, and, and like I walked past the source books booth when she was signing and she had a very, like a small line of people. I, I don't know, based on like her interview and, and the book, she's, um, it's part of a duology. So it's the mm-hmm. book and the sequel. I think like next year, or next event, I have a feeling. Yeah, I she's think, gonna have a bigger line. I think she's gonna, it's gonna blow up. Yep. Um, speaking of bigger lines of people, we uh, Marie Benedict was our big library read author. She wrote the other Einstein. We've interviewed her a couple of times, and now we're buddies with her too. She was at ALA um, signing copies of Carnegie Carnegie's Made. Right. And I meant to stop by the booth. Yeah. Um, so she had a big line for that, but because we were promoting Big Library Read, she came over and hung out with us for a little while, which was awesome, and it was really fun getting to chat with her. It was also really fun getting to chat with Kyle Cassidy, yep. who wrote the This Is What a Librarian Looks Like, which was our episode last week at mm-hmm. this point. Um, he came over and spoke with us for a while, and we were talking about all sorts of different fun stuff we could do to promote libraries with him, and... Um, 
it's just great to meet these people who sometimes we really only spoke to them over the phone, and then when they see us, they give us a big hug. Yep. And authors are the best. So um, are their publishing teams. So are their publishing teams, of course. Um, and it's funny to meet publicists who are handling like ten different authors at an event like this because they're all over the place, and yeah, I could never keep I, it straight. That's a tough job. Um, but I know that we both read a couple books while we were there. We did. And we actually got a few more. So you read something by an author that's going to be on our podcast soon. Do you want to talk about what you read that you couldn't put down that you... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I forgot. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, yes, I read um, The Breakdown by B.A. Paris. Mm-hmm. She wrote Behind Closed Doors. That came out, I think, last year. Yes. And was huge. And Adam got to interview her at BEA. Sure did. And so, um, yeah, her new book comes out, I think, next month in just a couple weeks, actually. Um, So I read the breakdown. It was so good. I could not put it down. (laughs) Um, But I finished it in a day. It was that good. And it was just... uh, I love... It was just really good, you guys. Mm -hmm. And this is not a spoiler because she sets it up very early. But I love Unreliable Narrator. Ah. Unreliable narrator. It's hard to say. And she sets it up very early on that it's an unreliable narrator. And um, so, again, that's not really a spoiler. But um, that actually worked very well in in the book and, yeah. and how it the story that goes along. And obviously, yeah, mm-hmm. it was good. Yeah. I And I think I've joked about this in the past. Um, so if you read B.A. Paris' first book, you know that she's... Pretty talented when it comes to, like, Okay, I was going to say, like, you know what the end is, but then I was like, have we talked about that? that well, you know? I don't know. I think Not the end, but the twist or yeah. whatever. So, B.A. Paris is very good at having awesome plot twists, and her first one was incredible. And I, you will not hear any of this because I'll edit it out of our podcast, but when, I, when she was talking about the book with me in our actual podcast interview, she just kept going through the plot and told me the entire plot twist and then stops herself and she's like, and we have to edit that out because I just told you the big thing that no one's supposed to know about. So that was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, that book is, is wonderful and I think, I think July 18th is the do, is the release date. So we'll that have, sounds very familiar. We'll have her episode. Yeah. Um, on the way to Chicago, I read Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. I mentioned another book by Jason Reynolds, I think, last week, kind of going through his catalog. Uh, Jason Reynolds is a YA author who writes kind of like, actually sort of like Marie, like heavy content that for young adults. And this one is uh, all about a kid, a, a young male whose older brother gets basically shot, like murdered in the street where he lives and then this kid goes into his room that night and finds that his brother had a gun. And um, they, it, it goes through like him deciding, like, I'm going to go get revenge on this guy that killed my brother. And so in the morning, he wakes up and he grabs the gun and um, he goes into the elevator to go down seven floors to get to the first, uh, the, the first floor to leave. And each floor, he kind of stops and like he meets someone along the way that talks to him about should he be doing this what's he doing what's going on um and like it gets like more and more fantastical but the way that it's written is it's like a 300 page book but each page has just kind of just like a couple of sentences and it's written in such a way that it looks like the words actually look like it's going down an elevator shaft Mm. and so 
I didn't know I was going to read this quickly, but I, I read this 300-page book in an hour, not because I'm a speed reader, because that's how it's set up. So it comes out in October. It's called Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. Um, he has a couple other books that are out. I would highly recommend reading anything by him. He's a National Book Award finalist. Um, he's just a, a wonderful writer. But this one, um, if Jill, if you're looking for the book online right now, I have a copy of it. <laughs> okay, I was just going to hand it to you. Um, yeah, it's called Long Way Down. It doesn't come out until October, but put it on your TBR list because it's something you can read quickly in an afternoon and it, it stayed with me all weekend it's really really good um, yeah on the uh flight home um why so it's ala you are able to pick up a lot of books you um, sure are advanced reader copies i would have had more if i had packed a bigger suitcase but <laughs> having trouble as it was packing but one thing i picked up that i was uh, reading on the flight home was jane unlimited by Kristen casher I think that's how you pronounce her last name. She wrote the Graceland series, which I've not read, but I apparently have lots of friends who like it. And mm-hmm. um, it's so good. I can't, it's really hard to describe, but it's, um, the sort of tagline for the book is, uh, I think it's One House Limitless Possibilities. And so Jane is an orphan who goes to this house, big like a state mansion thing on an island um, with an old friend and... I, it's so hard to describe. So, like, she, so, like, the it's six sections. Um, the first section sort of sets the whole thing up where she's at this house and there's this mysterious, something weird is going on that you're not quite sure about it. And then, like, art goes missing and then there's art forgeries happening and you're like, what is going on? And then at the end of the first section, she is left with a choice. Does she go talk to this person, this person, this person, this person? There's five other people. And then I believe each of the following five sections is a different choice that she made. So the first section. Yeah. So the first section she follows, she goes, talks to um, the housekeeper or whatever. Um, I think that's right. Yeah. And then the second section, she goes and talks, like, follows a different path. And so... So it's, is it kind of... It's like the um, like the musical If Then, kind of? I did not see it. Oh, I thought we both saw that one. That's kind of no. the same thing. Okay. Yeah. So it's really interesting. So I, I'm kind of intrigued to see how it goes um, in terms of if each, mm-hmm. each section is like how the story kind of gets told and what happens and yeah that sounds really interesting um i mean i think depending on the path and it might even be like different genres because of just sort of what's going on uh-huh. it's it's really it's a very intriguing uh subject um to sort of tackle and um so i'm, I'm definitely gonna have to look for her other series too yeah it's really good um the one that i started reading on the way home like this one actually isn't an advanced reader copy it's available now um, but thanks to our, again, friends at Penguin Random House, they gave me a, a hardcover copy of it, and it's gorgeous. Uh, the Gargoyle Hunters by John Freeman Gill. So I'm only like 90 pages in right now. But what it is, is it's this family that lives in New York City, and uh, the father, the mother and father are divorced, and the father is obsessed with uh, saving the city's architecture. We we're talking about with Fiona Davis, all these yep. famous buildings. New York City has all these famous buildings that are in them, but because of all the construction that's always going on, they're constantly tearing down and rebuilding. And so 
this main character is obsessed with gorgeous artwork and architecture and he hates the fact that it's being destroyed so he is a restoration like he he works as a restoration guy like he restores parts of buildings for people um but he moonlights as a guy who basically steals like gargoyles off of buildings that are going to be torn down anyway so he steals them and like that's how he makes his living and he finds out that his son uh griffin who's 13 years old can kind of get into places that he can't and so he originally he just focused on trying to make griffin realize how important this city is and how you shouldn't be tearing down old things and then like something happens where he realizes that griffin can like squeeze through small spaces right and so all of a sudden he's like oh you could help me out with this and so then they go on and they go like they do these midnight basically robberies where they're going and they're using like Uh... um, medical saws and things like take gargoyles off of buildings and it's such a crazy um it's such a crazy idea but i guess this actually happened in new york city and it made the front page of the new york times in uh, 1974 i guess and so they it's it's fiction but that's what it's based off of okay Uh, but it's it's crazy interesting and like i feel like i haven't read a lot of books lately that's been that have been really funny and the way that this is written, like, the little 13-year-old is, like, a smartass, and he's just, it's really fun. It's its really good so far, and, yeah, it's called The Gargoyle Hunters by John Freeman Gill. So I, I highly recommend everyone go, go check that one out. Again, I'm only 100 pages in, so I don't know where it's going to go from here, but so far it's really wonderful, and I, I'm on board, so that was really good. Um, yes. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh... We also should mention we met Sarah Dessen. We did meet Sarah Dessen. Who you got to interview, and a lot of people have listened to that podcast. Yes. Um, but we got to meet her in person. We did. And we got our, our good friend, Emma, who loves her, a signed copy, and she was charming and wonderful. She was very charming. Um, while we're talking about ALA, we should mention, so the American Library, Associ- American Library Association is launching a book club with Sarah Jessica Parker. If you're in the book world, in the news area, you may have noticed that. Um, so it's their book club central and they announced the first title. Um, it's no one is coming to save us by Stephanie Powell Watts, which I feel like we might've mentioned in a past episode. Maybe. Um, but it's described as the great Gatsby brilliantly recast in the contemporary South. So I haven't read it yet. That does sound very familiar. Right. Right. Okay. We've definitely talked about that. We haven't read it. Neither of us have read it yet, but the ALA was kind enough to get us a couple of copies of it. I believe it's out now. Um, so people can go in and read it. And if you look up the ALA Sarah Jessica Parker book club, I, I'm sure they'll have like discussion boards and, and all sorts of stuff for it. Um, so I'm really excited about that and hoping we can weasel our way into some some wonderful interviews. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was really, really cool. Uh, other things that happened at ALA that you can think of? Um, I don't remember it's at this point it's yeah so something else that happened uh over the weekend was harry potter the 20th anniversary of harry potter and the philosopher's stone coming out so all over twitter and everywhere there was hashtag harry potter 20 and uh all sorts of cool stuff the reason i bring it up is i mean we always talk about harry potter and we can continue to talk about harry potter and it, it seems according to our download numbers anytime we talk about harry potter we actually get a bump so perhaps we should keep doing it but you got to meet some really cool people at the Harry Potter Alliance, right? Oh, I did. Yeah. So the um, the Harry Potter Alliance is 
this group, it's an activist group. Or, or, um, when you go to ALA, they, they make uh, ribbons that you can kind of put on the end of your badges. And I had a wizard activist one. And our coworker, Simon, actually asked me where I got it. And I was, um, I was like, oh, the Harry Potter Alliance. And he's like, what is that? And <laughs> so it's an activist group that um, does a lot of different things within the communities. Uh, there's sort of like at a national level and then at a local level. And as it happened, one of the women who was working at the booth at ALA is from Cleveland. And so our name badge said where I was from and um, we got to chatting. And um, yeah, there's a, for our Cleveland listeners, there's a new um, Cleveland chapter of the Harry Potter Alliance. But you can go to their website, which I'm not prepared for. Um at the hpalliance.org and you can find um, the different chapters to see if there's one near you. There's different campaigns they do throughout the year. Um, Just based on, they have like book related ones. There's a lot of, they do a lot of LGBT um, different campaigns for doing work or just getting messages out and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. So that was kind of a fun conversation mm-hmm. talking with them. And I, I bought stuff because why not? You bought a really awesome phone cover. I did buy a really awesome phone cover. It's really cool. Cover. Um, and uh, I, I also have a wizard activist that I got at a previous one, but I didn't get to buy anything this time. But that's okay. Um, yeah, I just the whole weekend was amazing. Um, getting to meet so many publishers and... Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, you know, we have a lot of um, interaction with different publishers, but of course it's all done over email. And so the fun thing about going to these shows is actually getting to meet them in person as people that you have talked with for at this point years. Yeah. Um, And, and I will say it's, it's really cool for us. A, it was really cool for us to be someplace, someplace together because that's the first time we've gotten to travel somewhere, but also, and I'm just going to say, if anyone ever sees us, please feel free to come do this. We had several people, whether they're publishers or just, like, people who listen to the podcast, come up and just say hi. Yep. And it was so sweet. And I guess I'm still getting used to the fact that people listen to us. Yes. So, you know, when we're sitting in a room, you and I, even when we're, like, sitting in a room with an author, even, like, a famous author, to me, it's just you and I having a conversation with them. So the idea that lots of people listen to it is really cool. So when they see us and say, oh, I love how you guys like, poke fun at each other. And like, yeah. that, makes, that was really sweet. So if you ever see us in person, come say hi. It's really cool. For, it's it's a nice little moment. Um, yeah. Anything else you, you think we should be touching on? I think that might be everything. Okay. Well, <laughs> I know this wasn't a normal book recommendation one, but I mean... There's some we, book recommendations yeah, we gave you guys, in there. I think there's like seven or eight books we talked about in here, and we'll put those in the show notes. Jill, I will send you my notes so that we have them all together and actually in the show notes. Um, but yeah, I will, next week we'll have, same as normal, we'll have an interview and we'll have uh, all of our favorite books for July that we're excited about. I'm guessing B.A. Paris will be one of yours. Probably. Um, Good guess. If you guys want to reach us and interact with us, you can always email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. And you can reach us on the Twitters at ProBookNerds. 
Everything is that good? That's good. Okay. I'm laughing at your the Twitters. At the Twitters, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. I know Jill and I are looking forward to the weekend since we didn't get one last weekend. I'm <laughs> very tired. So many books to read. Yeah, so many books to read. And we will see you guys next time on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money.